This is episode 143 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're finishing Winter Youth 2007, Our God, His Love, Your Neighbor, with Rick McKinley. This is session four. Hey, everybody. And how about our painter? Come on. Nice. Thanks. I live in town, so I'll I'll be in Portland for a while. Hey, this is our last shot together. Uh, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We will get ready to go. Um... Yeah, I just want to wrap up with some thoughts about uh, one of the major things that you and I need to really, uh, I guess, to have life in a fulfilling way. Um, Ravi Zacharias is a guy who's really brilliant, and he he basically says everybody in life is looking for four major things. They're looking for wonder. We want to know that life is a little bit bigger than just the stuff in our life, that there's something out there, transcendent, bigger than us. And uh, we're looking for love, and, and everybody is. And we're looking for truth. We're looking for ultimately that there's something that that's, I can anchor my life around. And everybody's looking for truth. Seeking, for, even if we created ourselves, there's still a, a, a place within us that we're, we're wanting truth. And, and, and finally, we're looking for security. We're looking for the fact that our life is somehow secure, that it's not just flowing in the wind, it's not, it's not just so fragile, and yet we're aware of how fragile it is. When you look at Moses and Abraham and David, you really see these first three. I mean, they got the wonder piece in a pretty significant way. Part of the Red Sea, no doubt, that's, that, there's some wonder going on. They got the love piece. They understood that God was loving. And they got the truth piece. They understood that the God that they had trusted in had given them the truth, was revealing to them the truth, and it was a truth they could wrap their lives around. The thing that you look at their lives and you ask the question, did they have the security piece? Was their life ultimately secure? When we look at Abraham, we see him wandering around, living in tents for his whole life in the land that God had promised him. When we look at Moses, we see him spend the majority of the end of his life wandering in the desert desert only to die and not enter the promised land. And so we ask these questions, if we, if, we've, if we put all our chips on God, if we buy into this fact that God is so big and so other than us, and we fear Him with our hearts, and we enter a relationship that ultimately can change us, will our life be secure? And what do we need to have our lives be secure? Everybody's looking for that sense of security. Some of you are going to find it in relationships with other people. Some of us will grow up to hopefully get it in, we'll think we need to get it through cash, having enough money, success. 
Some of you are looking at it for your GPA, the college that you're going to get into. And as long as I have this thing or these people in my life, then I feel ultimately secure. And God is a good God who loves you and He's going to mark out the path of your life and it's a secure place to be in the hands of God. But it's funny because as they asked me to talk about security, I started thinking, well, what about life is secure? And there's not a whole lot that's secure. Like you can, you can make enough money one day that you think, well, I can buy or sell anyone or anything. But that can go away pretty quick. You can bank all your chips on a relationship, but people easily can, can abandon you, turn their back on you, or disappear. You can put all your stock in sort of your education that you're going to get, only to find out that the world doesn't really need that many of whatever it is you're an expert of. And so where do you and I go for our security, and where did these guys go for their security? Because if you were Abraham and you lived your whole life in a tent in the quote-unquote promised land, you might feel like you got the short end of the stick on that one. Like, this is the promised land? A tent and a sleeping bag? That's a bad deal. I'd rather go to REI. At least I can get a better tent, right? This isn't the... If you're Moses, and it's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put up with grumpy people for 40 years until they all die, and then you're going to die. But I'm going to give you kind of a nice view from the mountain before you kick it. You're like, hmm, okay. Does that feel secure to you? And the scary thing about security is we understand implicitly that our life is really fragile. That if you close your nose, those two little holes, and you close your mouth for like an hour, you're not going to be here, right? So you have these three holes keeping you alive. That's not that impressive. I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care what kind of house those three holes live in. I don't care what the GPA or the college education. Still, you're just three holes being closed down away from not being with us anymore. So it's hard to get really arrogant about that, right? Unless you drilled another one. And so, so at some point we have to go, well, life is by nature insecure. You may have friends already that have died. If you don't yet, you will soon, one day. You'll, you'll be at a funeral, and you'll be like, I knew them. We hung out, we were friends, and they're gone. I had a friend that was really close to us, and she died of Lou Gehrig's disease, and she was, she was in her early 50s. And I remember going in to, to say goodbye, there was sort of a viewing afterwards, and I put my hand on her arm as she lay there in the casket. And it was ice cold. And it freaked me out. I was just like, what the? That's a dead body. And she's gone. And when you stand face to face with the reality that life is, uh, is finite, it's going to end. 
we have to at some point go, then what ultimately am I going to bank all my chips on? Because I only got so many chips that God's given me to use for this life. So where's my security going to come from? Well, here's what it looked like for these guys in Hebrews chapter 11. Look with me at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, though he didn't know where he was going. So right off the bat, right off the bat he's insecure. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation whose architect and builder is God. That ultimately what brought Abraham security was not what he could get out of this world. What ultimately brought him security was not the fact that he he was going to have a big plot of land somewhere. But he was looking past the temporary, to the eternal. He was looking for something that could be built that would be secure forever, that couldn't be chopped down, that another king couldn't come in and destroy, that time just accruing after year after year wouldn't cause it to crumble to the earth. He was looking for something whose architect and builder was God with foundations, that whatever's at the core of this thing is solid. And that's what indicates what in the world is going to stand that's above it. So for Abraham, he says, what makes my life secure is not the stuff. And it's not what I accomplish. But it's who I have faith in. I have faith in God. And it's really difficult to not let our hearts get wrapped up in the security of this world. It just is. You got enough money in the bank, you feel a lot better. You got enough friends, you feel a lot better. You got the right clothes, you feel... I mean, it's just your emotions naturally go there. But part of this journey that we're on as we fear this God and become friends with Him, Part of the change that he makes in us is that slowly, and it's not going to happen immediately today, but after time, day after day, you begin to trust more and more in him than stuff, in him than status, in him than other people. And it's a wise thing to do to start that when you're in high school. There are countless people that I meet that have lots of cash. A lot of them are retired, and they made it big in the world. And if you were to sit down and talk with them and say, tell me about your life, what are you stoked about? They would say, well, my biggest regret is I put all my time into making money, into buying these houses and going on these vacations. I didn't put my time into knowing God. And I got this much of my life left. And so 
I got to catch up, and I'm going to spend it all there. And here are these people that you're going, dude, you live in a great house. You drive the right car. You like did it, man. Not everybody does it, and you did it. You made it. You are the American dream guy. And they go, the thing that brought me security was none of that. It was God. And so listen to the wise counsel of your elders. Make God your security now. Make God your security now. Let's keep reading. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, they were able to become a father because he was considered him faithful who made the promise. And from this one man as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they were they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, and here's the kicker, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. See, the culture would look at these guys Here's a God that made this promise and you followed him and some of you had to go through hell to follow him and at the end of it all, you didn't get to cash your chips in. You're a fool. You got ripped off by God. But everything in them was, was willing to have the culture look in on them and say, yeah, they're kind of wackos. Because what they had banked their chips on was not something temporary. It was that this God ultimately would prepare a city for us that would be eternal, a heavenly one. And there is a whole lot that God is going to make right in your life now if you follow him. He will. He's, he's created you to live life right here and enjoy it. But it is not payday. It is not the thing that we are ultimately hoping in and longing for. What we ultimately hope in and long for, our ultimate security is we get heaven. We're going to be with Him. And we're trusting that by faith, as we enter this journey with this really big God, and we fear Him, and He's in relationship changing us, that He's, he's creating a space for us to enjoy Him forever. And you guys, if that piece of this thing isn't true, then we are idiots. We're wasting our lives. People will say, well, the truth is, you know, even if Jesus isn't real and he didn't rise from the dead and heaven's not real, at least we were good people. Paul says, no, you're idiots. He says, we are of all people most to be pitied. If this is the only game, and when this game ends, it's all over, you should be out getting everything you can out of this world. But by faith, these people were looking past the world 
for the eternal world that the living God was inviting them to. And the beautiful caption is that if you and I bite on that invitation from this really big God, it says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called your God. God's proud of those who live by faith. And he is preparing a city for you. Look down with me at verse 32. It talks about Moses, and it talks about all these great people of faith, David that we've talked about. But it comes down, he says, I don't have time to talk about all those people, but these are people who by faith conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I mean, that part sounds really good. Like, here's the faith game, and it looks like we win, right? That, what's not secure about that? And then we read on, and it says, Others were tortured, and they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. See, some of us, uh, you're probably not going to leave here and go find some sheepskin. But as you follow Jesus, you will have to make choices. And you will make choices to live a different kind of life. A life that by all estimation, the world will look in and go, you're, you're a fool. Some of you may, in fact, follow God into countries where it's illegal to share Christ, and you may get persecuted for that. For some of you, you'll trust God and you'll end up and it's going to look like a big worldly payoff. And others of you are going to trust God and it's going to look like you got the short end of the stick. And both things that are taking place in terms of outcomes, those are God's to determine. Your job is to trust Him. That that's your security, not the outcome. So if you trust God at your high school, and he invites you to live differently, to love people differently, to invest yourself in helping people, whatever that looks like for you. Your job is to trust him and let him create the outcome. And some of you, there might, the school paper might come and say, wow, I heard you're, you're reaching out to these people and you're helping. We want to write a big article and make stuff. And others of you might get mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. And the, the outcome isn't the point. The point is, why are you doing it, and who are you counting on for your security in the midst of it? Is it God? Thirty-nine. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, 
so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I, I, didn't get, I wasn't raised in the church, so church is sort of this very foreign thing to me. And I entered the church when I was about 18, and I had, a, I had this encounter with God that was really profound, and it changed my life. And I think I spent the next three or four years in church trying to figure out how this amazing message could be so boring. Like, like it was just something that we were talking about as if everybody knew about this. That there's a God who became human and He died for our sins and He rose again and He created a place for us in heaven and if we believe in Him. And, and literally, we're yawning in the pews because we've heard this so many times. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is really amazing. If this is true, the whole world should be screaming about this. And yet something that's so profound and so amazing so easily just becomes, yeah, I've been hearing about that my whole life and I'm kind of tired about hearing about it. And we start to put our security in, in a different story. It's not really God's story at all. And we start to put our security in places that, that really the world is saying, if you really want a secure life, it's going to have to look like this and be like this. And pretty soon this story, rather than becoming this profound sort of prophetic thing that we're listening to, just becomes white noise in the background. My prayer and hope for you is that that won't happen. That you will protest that when you see it. That when you hear that taking place in your churches and in your youth groups, there will be something in you that says, this is wrong. Because as tragic as it is, you guys, we as the church can completely miss God. We can look at the people who live this kind of faith out, who bank all their security on Jesus and think, those guys are wackos. They're taking it a little too far. And nothing about this kind of faith is bumper sticker faith. It's not putting a Jesus fish on your car and it's not wearing the right Christian t-shirt. It's not about that stuff. It's about who are you when you're all by yourself? Who are you trusting in deep down in the core of your motives? Where's your security coming from? And you and I are in this battle every day of our lives. It's a, it's a, it is tough. It's a battle to go, I want my security today to be in God Almighty. I want my heart to fear Him. I want to continue becoming His friend. I want to long for a city whose foundation is God. That's what I want. See, ultimately, you kind of go, well, God, why, do you, why, did it, why does it go down like this? Why can't we have kind of our cake and eat it too? Why can't you give us the health and wealth gospel where we all get to drive beamers and live in mansions and then we get to go to heaven and be with God? Like that would, that would be cool. But here's the point of your spiritual life. God has to bring us to the point where you and I can lose everything but God and be okay with that and actually be 
stoked about that. Because it's going to happen to you. You're going to lose your health. You're going to lose your cash. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose your life. And at that point, when you stand before God face to face, will you be disappointed and looking in the rearview mirror at all the things that you've lost? Or will you be jumping up and down so stoked out of your mind that finally, no more tents, right? No more wandering. No more looking at the promised land from the top of the mountain. Now you're in it, and you taste it, and you touch it, and you feel it, and it doesn't just go away tomorrow when you wake up, but you're here for eternity. And that is the journey for us. To worship this big God, to fear Him in safety and trust and keep us from sinning, to live right, to let that love change us and transform us, and ultimately that God more and more, day by day, would become our security, would become the thing that we're hoping in, longing for, trusting in. And those are the people that God says, I am not ashamed to be called your God. Come to the city that I've prepared for you. Would you stand with me as I pray over you here as we wrap up? And I just want to pray this passage over you out of Hebrews 12, the very next verse. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, the Abrahams, the Davids, the Moses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You guys, I just pray God's blessing over you, that you would live strong and run hard, and that your security would be wrapped up in the magnificent, amazing, powerful love of God. Thank you to be with you. God bless.